0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, another hobby hotline outtake episode from two weeks ago, on with Danny Black and Logan Ward. Thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Upper Deck, Panini, and Tops. There was some stuff I thought I'd really like to capture that and deliver that to my particular audience. Again, I always recommend... Uh, the most fun is listening to Hobby Hotline when it happens. Saturday mornings, there's also the first Tuesday of the month in the evening. But generally, I'm on once a month on a Saturday morning, and it's just fun. I like it because I don't know. I'm not determining the topics. They come up, either some of the other co-hosts or from some of the comments that we get, and we just run with it. So the first part of it was a discussion about the national and why is the national reticent uh, about releasing attendance figures. And we, we talk about that. But, you know, the, when people walk in, you can't comprehend if you said there's 5,000 people here or there's 10,000 people, you can't comprehend that. What you can comprehend is when you get in and you see crowded aisles. Now, if they're crowded, crowded aisles that are narrow, <laughs> that's pretty discouraging. But if they're crowded aisles that are really wide, then you think, wow, there must be a big crowd here. On the other hand, at the national, there's multiple rooms. It's more than what the eye can see. But when you look in, you want a large attendance and you want a crowd. And this last national, I don't remember walking by dealer tables where nobody was there. It just seemed like there were a few people at each table. And and that's really what you're looking for. So you want full aisles, not narrow aisles. You don't want them so packed that the fire marshal get mad at you, but you do want to see that there's a crowd. Again, I think that stimulates buying activity. When you see a bunch of other people there, you think, I better buy it now. So that's good for the industry. It's good for the dealers. Probably good for collectors too, to pull the trigger and buy the cards you've been looking for. The other topic we talked about was, I call it pre-rookie, you know, the The past is an indicator of uh, the present and the future, but it's not completely determinative. There are sometimes fads or trends uh, reverse or change. This thinking that cards not in uh, the uh, major league uniforms or before they get to the big leagues, that those are not as good in some sense, that may not always be true. This drive to get NIL, high school, and college guys who might be great and might not, again, 9 out of 10, 9 out of 100 maybe, are not going to come through. But the occasional one that does, it's possible that when we look forward in 5 or 10 years, people are going to put more emphasis than we think on those very early cards. Frequently, they're lesser produced anyway. And sometimes they're lesser production values. But just think, if they weren't, if they were really a high quality card that was pretty limited and done early, uh, it, it could be that they could be really sought after. So I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying be careful uh, when you write off a certain category of collectibles. People wrote off basketball cards in 1986 and 87. Star had not done that well. Fleer came out and was not well-received, did not sell well, and now look at it. It's completely reversed. But thanks, Logan. Thanks, Danny. And thanks, loyal uh, listeners and viewers to the Hobby Hotline franchise on Bench Clear Media every Saturday. So here it is, and I'll be back in another couple of days with another episode.
1: Why doesn't the National release attendance numbers? Isn't this a great way to get a barometer on whether the hobby is growing year over year? If you go all the way back, I guess they just felt there'd be too much
0: comparison and favorably. And if ever they went down one year from the year before, they did either blame the the promoter or the location. It's like cards. People say, I wish we knew how many cards were produced of of a certain product. But be careful what you wish for, because then people are going to say, I'm not interested in this product because the print runs too high. When really it depends on demand as much as it depends on supply. And so same thing with the nationals. I think they just want to put the focus on, hey, next year we hope to be bigger and better. In the old days, it wasn't even to be bigger and better because there were some lean years. In fact, the Atlanta National, one of them was really not very good at all, and so, but the people have forgotten. And if we knew the exact attendance there, people would just keep throwing that in your face that you can't have a National Atlanta because 30 years ago, they had low attendance. And you could know, you just couldn't know the exact number.
1: Even if they don't release the number, don't you think they know what the attendance number is? And I would say absolutely. They know what mm-hmm. the dollars are. Yeah. So there's so
0: much then- double counting, and I don't think there's... There's uh, tickets sold. Tickets the swapping, or the, I think mainly it's they're getting a number of VIPs and daily admissions, and dealers and corporates get extra passes and exhibitor badges and things like that. So I think it's hard to get an exact count, but I bet they have an exact count of the money they took in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I think you're 100% right on that. Ray Klein says Ray Schulte said when he was on a sports card live with Jeremy Lees that they had over 100,000. And I was going to bring this up. I think since Anaheim, when that was the quote unquote record, they've always just spoken general terms since then. I think that because to, to your point, Dr. Beckett, once you have the record, if you don't set it every year, it sounds like disappointment. For example,
0: Cleveland this next year, I'm thinking it probably will be slightly smaller than Chicago. Now, I hope it's not, but the room is going to be smaller. There are going to be less booths there. And it's closer to the East Coast, but it's not quite as easy. And the restaurants aren't real close by. So to me, Cleveland is not as good a location. And yet, let's hope that Cleveland is a fabulous show. And I think it will be. But if it's only 97,000 people coming next year, is that really bad? Because I think they had 125 this past year. I think they had well over
1: 100,000. Cleveland's national could be fire. Marshall shut the crowd out <laughs> if it's packed out. Listen, I hope it's a successful national. I hope the aisles aren't too crowded to walk around. The building is fireproof.
0: I just want to go on the record of saying that. It is, it's like a, a hangar, a bomb shelter. There's nothing that burns. Oh, wait a minute. There's cards in there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, But if you have a fire in there, what are they going to do? Bring in hoses? spray it down that's just as bad no fire but again there's not much combustible there it's like a bomb shelter practically or an airport hangar it's a concrete bunker
1: lower attendance means more elbow room at the dollar boxes not necessarily it it depends who's not, not showing it's not like that because everybody gets
0: a booth you have a certain number of square feet and then there's an aisle in front And some of the dollar box people do horseshoe. People are not on the outside of their table. They're coming into the inner sanctum and all that. But it can get really crowded if somebody's got a good deal. And on the second or third day, they might chop their prices further. And then you'd think, oh, it's played out. Nope. So lower attendance. There's high-end collectors and there's more moderate collectors. And there's a lot more moderate collectors than there are high-end collectors.
1: My local card shop told me that right now, and, and they're opening a, a much larger store, so they're bringing in a lot of inventory, their sales, they're shooting for everything under $250. I so that's the moderate,
0: where the most action is.
1: Yeah. So to your point, it's which buyers don't show, not just the volume. Hopefully they don't cut out the kids, and hopefully that uh, is where it grows. He says, Dr. Beckett's Dollar Box Etiquette is an episode I'd watch. Well, that's a good question. What is good etiquette at the Dollar Boxes?
0: Stay tuned. Rich and I will discuss that in a future oh. episode. Mookie, excellent suggestion. Rich and I go, can absolutely fill up 15 minutes with Dollar Box etiquette and also inappropriate
1: behavior. <laughs> <laughs> if Dollar Box etiquette is the same as the gym, you wait your turn, you limit your time to a reasonable amount, and you clean up after you use the equipment, use deodorant, does Dr. Beckett ever think that Beckett magazines will be highly c- collected and graded one day? Some of them already have. Is that correct? I hope so.
0: I don't really have very many, but I have a few. And the the number one issues are sought after, especially baseball.
1: How often do you get asked to, to autograph the magazines?
0: Uh, a few at each big show. At the Um, national, I have some people at the local shows. Usually,
1: the first issues
0: or or favorite players. And I just think if I'm signing it, I need to not sign it in a way that obliterates Michael Jordan. (laughs) So I'm trying to find. I'm trying to (laughs) sign up maybe on top where it's my name instead of messing around. They can get Michael to sign on his chest.
1: Do you think cards will hold their value more than memorabilia? I think memorabilia is is still an undervalued market because when you have a memorabilia card that's worth more than the actual game-used jersey, there's something weird about that to me. If I am going to spend that kind of money, I would much rather have the whole jersey that's game-used versus a little piece of patch or swatch on a card. So I think memorabilia is, is uh, uh, still undervalued. You can see all the stuff around me. I, it's more than just cards for me. Cards are my main focus, but I do love memorabilia, and when I can find a good deal on it, I do buy it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just think the the high end of memorabilia is arguably overpriced. That You've got a, a game-used yeah. jersey for a player, and one of them is photo-matched and the other one isn't. There's a thousand percent difference sometimes. I'd rather have the one that has not been photo-matched. It, it's real. The player wore it. It's from a, the season, but I don't know exactly what game. I don't know that it was the, in the finals or the World Series or something like that. And I'd be okay with that because I think there's some real exposure to paying huge bucks for memorabilia. like paying huge bucks for cards that are worth more than the jersey that this watch came from.
1: Dr. Beckett, do you show up to all the Dallas card shows? I try to.
0: I can't necessarily be there every day, but I'll be there... Most of the days, this next one coming up.
1: Rex answering about the memorabilia versus cards. He says in his shop, they see a distinct difference between memorabilia customers and card customers. Many card buyers look to make money on the cards. Most memorabilia buyers collect and display their items. College memorabilia is also in high demand, whereas college cards are less desirable. That's an interesting one. Is that just regional sports fandom? No, no,
0: I think Rex is exactly right. He's got his own focus group every day in his more than one shop now. He's got two. So I don't disagree with that at all, Rex. But that may not always be the case. When you've got all this Bowman U stuff and NIL stuff, cards not in the pro uniforms may not always be less desirable. It may be that people really want pre-rookie cards. Now, minor league cards, some of them are okay, but college cards for a guy that was great in college and then went on to a long career, to think that the college cards from the earliest cards that the player has are going to be less desirable, that may not always hold true. It does now, but it may not always be. Victor Wembanyana, Luca, guys that have uh, European cards or early cards before in their European jerseys or they're not... In the, their NBA stuff, they haven't, he hasn't even you know, played a real game yet. That could flip, guys. That could flip. It could be that, that people want their earliest card. And if they do, they'll want college cards. It's not the case now, but it, it could change or move closer to parity.
1: There's something like 300 Division One schools, and that's certainly a small percentage that would support. But there are some schools that I think people would buy it for the school, but I think that's a small percentage.
0: Yeah, but the the non-Power 5 uh, schools that have smaller print runs and then somebody hits it big from, say, Iowa State, you're liable to see an explosion there.